Well, I've got some news, Tom. I have officially quit my job. <laughs> ah, crazy. It's a crazy thing to do. I mean, saying I, I've quit, I've still got to work there for another, what are we in? February, March, April, May, June, July. Five months. I saw my uh, my job being advertised, but I've got five months left. But it's official. The end of July, I will no longer be a teacher. So you've got another thing lined up then? So sort of start of August, you start something new? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Madness. Well, we'll see. We've, it's a long time away, isn't it? I've got time to um, figure something out. So the the question for this week then is when should you quit your job? And yeah. the answer will be not to do what Ed has done because that's <laughs> on the face of it seems like just, a really terrible idea. <laughs> well, I was hoping that wasn't going to be the answer to be honest. <laughs> well, maybe we'll find it's not. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, no, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I can empathise with feeling good about it because yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than than telling a job you don't like where to shove it. <laughs> Go your own way, plough your own furrow. I was very polite, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, straight away, I think as someone who's had several jobs, it's very, very, very important to be professional at all times and to never burn bridges because you're always going to need references and you, as you go through life as a person, you should like not leave enemies behind, I don't think, generally speaking. Yes, I think that's definitely a good idea. The more people uh, respect you, I guess, you never know when you might come across them. Don't cross the people on the way up because you'll meet them again on the way down. Yeah, um, and I still am in touch with a lot of people I used to work with and I've, in fact, for the job I had now, had to get um, references from a lot of people and it helped that I was still friendly with them and that we left on good terms. How did how did they take it? Quite good, actually. I mean, I tried, uh, I tried leaving a couple of years ago, but they uh, managed to ensnare me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm still I was still there so I think they kind of they could they could see it coming um perhaps but you know they were very gracious about it so mm. that was good they said they understood and I mean I've got the good reason of we're relocating so that yeah, always, that goes down a bit better <laughs> yeah that's easier to swallow isn't it having a good reason so my last time I did a big shift that could potentially have been unpleasant I guess or sort of not leaving people in the lurch but leaving a good thing without any inkling of why it was coming was a, essentially a career change like going from working in an agency to working in kind of a product environment it's much easier when there's like a clear reason that is not motivate is not kind of a negative one i guess so your reason was career change well it wasn't it was yeah i have i have an i had an itch to to do product work rather than agency work that's a, an internal thing that would have bugged me if i hadn't done it and doesn't necessarily speak badly about the company I was working with or the people I was working with I was I was happy in my work and happy with the team but wanted to be doing something different hmm. which is yeah if if what you're doing could easily be done where you are then that's a much harder conversation to have I think yeah it's like oh well people will get I'm more likely to get fronted I guess and I mean it, I I've got five months left but I will uh I'll carry on working hard for the children you know oh that's true yeah you've got the diff you've got the added motivation of um children's lives in your hands <laughs> I've got a GCSE class. I've got to get to pass their GCSEs before I finish. So. Yeah, and that's a pretty that, that must be a pretty good motivation to stay active. Yeah, I guess more than maybe an office job where you'd handed in your notice and you just thought some big faceless company mm. that you can don't worry about once you've left. But yeah, there are people's children's lives in the balance, <laughs> but not their life, not their lives, but <laughs> <laughs> their GCSEs, their GCSEs. Yeah. And not their careers either, because who, who's going to get a career in music, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs>
Well, look at us. <laughs> uh, you've just stopped. You've just stopped a whole another thirty people from becoming music teachers. You've got a music degree. I've got a music degree, and we're both. We both. I've got two. I've got two music degrees. In your two face. music degrees. So between <laughs> us, three music degrees, <laughs> and neither of us are going into a career in music. Although it seems it does it does have its influences. Yeah, well, audio editing for a start, mm. creativity in code, things like that. Being able to make Pika Bell. Let's uh, name drop that again. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so that's my fancy open source uh, audio uh, audio player. Audio player, yeah. A way, well, a way to style the existing audio player. So, as you've you've mentioned that you've you've made this big leap because you've got other factors at hand other than just wanting to change jobs. That's right. Yeah. So, kind of one of the reasons is we're moving to Cornwall, and in Cornwall there's about six secondary schools. And music teachers down there generally like their jobs a lot um, and stay there for about 20 years. So, so dead man shoes then, is it? <laughs> yeah, there is there is a big chance that there won't be any jobs for me to apply to anyway. I've kind of, I feel like I've had enough of teaching and children. <laughs> Maybe it's just where I am. Uh, I think, yeah, a more positive is that it's not that you're fed up with what you're doing, it's that you want to be doing more of the stuff that you're doing in like the coding things yeah i found something that is that i really enjoy doing and that i can actually hopefully get a job from so why wouldn't i take the opportunity if if it's there you know to do something that you enjoy more than you do currently which is i think why a lot of people choose it and because you can teach yourself to do it and still end up with a fairly reasonably well-paid job i know there's a lot of time in the moment but if it's stuff you enjoy doing then it's it's time well spent for a lot of people um I guess quitting a job seems like a massive thing and perhaps it shouldn't be seen as such. You've got to find the point where you are able to quit, I guess. You can't quit too early and that was something I really wanted to do. I was thinking, oh, you know, I just hate my job. I don't want to go in. I'm just going to quit now. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to get a loan or something. That's what That was my plan last year. Oh, no. I was, get a loan, use that as my wage for a few months and then try and find a job. But through some talking down from some wonderful people, including Tom here, <laughs> I decided not to do that. That was that was a scary time. That seemed like I mean, now it seems I I feel like it's a, a scary leap for you and it's like possibly not how I'd have done it, but I can see why and it makes it does make some some kind of sense. And having seen the level that you're coding at, I know that there are gonna be plenty of opportunities that come along and I think it's a good time to be looking for work in that regard and i think you're in a much better position than you were what was it a year ago i think it was end of the beginning of this year so not this year as it sorry when i talk in years i talk in school years yeah which is september to, to september <laughs> <laughs> this academic year so at the beginning uh i think it was just before i came back i think and i was thinking oh, i'm gonna quit before christmas i think that's when it all happened that's when it all went down don't go to new zealand for three weeks you get you get good ideas <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Well, you're going to miss ba- that. Bad you're gonna ideas. Miss, you're going to miss the long holidays. I can't. Uh. When you're on holiday, you, it's all school time. So there's children around. Everything's extremely expensive. So, in some ways, I'm looking forward to the cheaper flights and things. We were we're booking a holiday at the moment. It's going to be quite a long and big one. And I think it's going to be two weeks. And that is more time off than I've ever taken at once, ever. I think certainly since leaving university. <laughs> so it's a fairly big deal i think i mean it it can get yeah yeah it can get too long though sometimes when we have when the summer holidays so when i've got six weeks off in a row you know the, the last week by week this is six, where we get this is where we get out the tiny violin for all the teachers who suffer so much the last yeah. week of the six week summer holidays oh, just no. you know just 
just get a bit bored, you know. Just think, you know, I need something to occupy my time. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, oh, of course, there's all the marking, which is so hard, even though you finish at 3 or whatever. We finish at 3.35. Oh, oh, sorry. But I'm in school till 5 o'clock. So I'm at school from 7.30 in the morning until 5 o'clock. It used to be longer. I've managed to cut it down. That's still quite a long day. We earn our holidays. That's all we get. <laughs> sure, sure. My big question for you is, if you weren't relocating and if you weren't in a job where you have to give notice five or six months in advance, so you get so the window is small for you in your in your actual situation, but if you didn't have that risk constraint, would you be thinking along the same lines? Well, I'd, I probably would have quit already, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I would have applied to jobs before. If I wasn't moving, I'd have applied to jobs already in, in London. And also, it's this massive having to wait for six months it's, it's, or three months, two months. I don't think like when you apply to jobs, people, I think, doesn't the application process generally happen a bit quicker than three months? Yeah, I, I think it depends where you get to. Though. So the process through, like if you're applying to a big company, you have rounds of various rounds of interviews, and sometimes that can take months. I mean, the last time I I was applying for jobs, there was one place that said, "Oh yeah, we'll give you an interview," and that interview is going to be in a month, and that's a phone screener. The lead time from like you applying to getting a response from them can sometimes be really long. If I was actively looking to move, you would I think you'd you'd want to have a good few months to to kind of do that process. You don't want to rush it because you want to get the right opportunity. But then once things happen, once you actually get through interviews and start getting offers and once you accept an offer the next question is when can you start and how quickly can you start and often people want want you to start pretty quick i mean everyone understands like a month's notice period but anything sort of beyond that generally takes a bit of explaining so i can quit now and then say you know what you can't i can't work until the end of april i think that might be pushing it wouldn't it it just made it difficult in terms of having something secure it's always a risk isn't it when you quit your job generally you, you kind of hope to have something that you're looking to go into or at least at least be actively applying. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because it's it's a massive risk. It's a really there's I mean not to terrify you now that you've done it, but there's a lot that could go wrong and you could find just I mean even even with all we've said about the hiring environment for developers and how people how many people are taking on juniors, you can't be certain about any of that. It's a good instinct, but my instincts have been wrong before. Well, I'm I'm confident, so that's all you need, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, see how long that confidence lasts, I suppose. Now that it's officially happening, you've got a the benefit of the long lead time is you've got many months where you're going to be being paid and you know the, the pressure is not as steep so you can actually use that as runway to start applying to places and doing sort of things doing other things yeah definitely i mean i'd have to wait until june so that makes things difficult <laughs> so when's your fi- when's your last day when do you finish july the 20th hmm. and we find out whether we'll actually be going to Cornwall, fingers crossed, uh, middle of June. I'll get paid. My last paycheck will be the 22nd of August, so I've got a while. Yeah, yeah. That's, not too, that's not too bad. Yeah, That's the good thing about staying to the end of the year as opposed mm-hmm. to leaving at Easter or something, is that you get the summer pay. But it's not it's not summer pay. You're getting paid for the work you do, but they just spread it out over 12 months as opposed to nine. But the point I'm getting at is if I if we were talking to someone who was in a different situation a more common situation of just being in a job that they're not enjoying and that they want to start a coding job i would not recommend quitting until you've got something lined up yeah i guess i would agree with that <laughs> <laughs> but i've never had a, a real job so i wouldn't know well i think unless they're, they're teaching cancer sainsbury's cafe <laughs> well that's no but i think we, we scoff at that but then what i was doing before i became a coder i spent a long time working in tourism in cornwall for minimum wage a lot longer than I meant to um, and mm. you can feel 
I don't know, that kind of... Because that's hard work as well. Because it's, yeah, physically taxing and just the mental drain of feeling like you're not achieving what you ought to be achieving is not pleasant. And you can very easily feel feel really trapped by it. And that's why coding is such a good kind of escape from it. Because it's definitely something you, you could go home and teach yourself. And that could give you that mental stimulation, I guess, you may be missing. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, I wasn't getting anywhere with music and had to do something to make money and live. God, this is turning bleak, isn't it? <laughs> but it's not, because it's, yeah, happy, uh, yeah, in my case, definitely a happy ending, and yours, I think we're on track for a happy ending. Let's hope so, otherwise there'll just be an episode of, uh, <laughs> that'll be the one last episode. Of <laughs> uh, you handing, you going back cap in hand to any, any yeah. school that'll have you. <laughs> well, I think there's a level of competency, isn't there, that you need to be at, and one of the things that comes up all the time is looking at job descriptions and whether you so if you're in a situation where you're working a job you don't like you want to take a job in coding you've got to start applying for jobs i guess the decision is not so much when do you leave your current job but you leave your current job when you've got another job and the question is when do you feel you're ready to apply do you think you could apply to jobs now i hope so but you were talking about um job applications and looking at them but every time i seem to look at them i seem inadequate they list like 20 things and i just i'm like oh i know a couple of those things but no so this is this is absolute this is the crux of it isn't it this is a, a lot of the job applications that are out there it's a wish list not a requirements list even though it may say you explicitly need these things but there there is a there is a definite thing where some people are much more bullish about things and will, are willing to apply to jobs where they maybe only meet a certain percentage of the criteria maybe 80% of the things listed whereas other people are more timid about it and will only apply when they think they meet all the criteria i mean this is anecdotal from my experience of looking at lots of different people through my career and the ones that have that self confidence or self belief or at least know how to play the game of interviewing they go go further you get where you're going quicker. Yeah, I started making lists. So I was like, I was looking up Python mm-hmm. jobs and then all the other things that came with it. I was like, yeah. okay, that's, I'm going to add that to my list. I need to learn that now. And then by the time I checked the job applications again, that the rest of that list, that was completely different. Yep. And yep. There, there were new things. Yeah, so, and, and certainly with, in the world of JavaScript and front end, things are so trendy and people will ask for, oh yeah, we need someone with five years of React experience when React has only been around for two years. I saw that a lot like when React was new. <laughs> People asking yeah. for more experience than they actually existed of it. I mean, now React's been about longer. About longer, you can have five years of experience in it. But yeah, it's often an unreasonable wish list, and they want you to be a master of backend stuff and a master of front end stuff. And there isn't, I think, for all the people that call themselves full stack, there's no one that is exceptional at both. I don't think. And you've got to play the game of how far do you think you can push it. And my advice would be go for it. And I guess it doesn't hurt just applying. The worst that's going to happen is they're not going to get back to you, or they're going to say no. Um, so you may as well just like you say go for it and see what happens and then even if you do get through to an interview and then they find out that you're not as qualified as they wanted then at least you've got some interview experience yeah i guess it's good to get in try and get as many interviews as you can absolutely but i've heard stories of people that apply to hundreds of jobs and only hear back from a couple of them so i don't think that's necessarily an unusual thing if you're getting declined but maybe you need to look at your cv or what you're applying for if you if that happens mm-hmm. yeah competition is tough and no matter where you are there are always lots of qualified people that want jobs um, but generally speaking if someone's hiring a developer there'll be a core competency that they need and beyond that they're looking for someone that they think they can work with and that has an intelligent mind has a way of problem solving that will be useful to them and the specifics often you can teach and i guess it's showing that you're a self-taught developer it probably shows that you're hopefully a good learner um, and can pick things up quickly which seems to be a quite a common thread in the uh, developing world of 
being able to take say oh we're gonna you need to learn this framework or this i don't know api does that even make sense yep it does yep of course um, <laughs> you need to learn this api and then that's just something you can if you're good at picking up things quickly and learning then i think that's probably a really good skill to have and if you've got a track record of just being able to pick things up fairly quickly then i guess that would go in your favor yeah i think if there's one thing that defines the industry as a whole it's the speed of change compared to other industries i think you need to it's more about being able to learn code than it is being able to write specific bits of code but you also need those fundamentals of kind of how loops work and recursion and things like that i guess the fundamentals of programming under your belt and then you can apply that to other things there's an element to which as well for, to, for interviewing you need to know the things that often come up in interviews more perhaps than you need to know the fundamentals of actually what you're going to do in the job because they're very hard to test for and with the economy being what it is lots of people will apply for any job that's going and sometimes people apply who aren't that qualified or who haven't don't have the experience can you reverse a string on a whiteboard that's the that sort of thing <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah something that you could do something that is likely to come up in an interview like can you do can you write fizzbuzz in something which is not necessarily it's not a sign that you're a good developer if you can do that but it's a sign that you're not someone who's never even thought about it before and is just yeah doing it on a whim or applying on a, as a chance so when you were applying did you have any did you look at things like that beforehand in the front-end world is it's not quite as uh algorithmic let's say i think that's <laughs> i know you're i know you're poking fun i can see the teasing happening i can see you're trolling but it isn't you're not far off the mark to be honest a lot of it is i mean you reach a point where you have a portfolio and you have there are complicated things that it's good enough that you can describe that you can do like cross-browser compatibility and things just being fluent in the things that you have to do you don't necessarily have to demonstrate that in an interview but you do have to talk about it and you have to show that you you know what you're talking about i've heard of people um having to talk through the projects they've done in interviews absolutely so yeah if it's in your portfolio you should be prepared to explain it thoroughly and be able to prove like have a sense of ownership over it they, they want to you've said that this is your work it's your work. You keep hearing these horror stories of people who said, who put, I'm fluent in French on their CV. And then the interviewer, they turn up and then the interviewer then conducts the entire interview in French. <laughs> and often, <laughs> yeah, so you've got to be, you've got to own what's on your CV. Never lie and never oversell. You've got to be confident and you've got to say, you've got to paint a picture of yourself in your best light, but also don't overreach. And be, be honest, be nice, be, be a person is generally the best advice. Be your true self. No, don't be your true self. Be a better version of yourself than your true self. Be the self you want to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you're writing slogans for T-shirts now, aren't you? <laughs> but, yeah, I've, I've started... Uh, I've got an outline of my CV now. I guess the hard thing is I don't really have... In terms of, like, work experience, I don't have anything to put on it <laughs> apart that is anything to do with coding, particularly. But you have lots of... You've got lots of professional experience. You've done a hard thing at a high level for... A good length of time that's valuable don't be ashamed to like, pretend that the skills you've got don't exist we're targeting these podcasts at people who are learning to code aren't we and they yeah. may well be a lot of them may be in university or they may be studying and may not have had a full-time job before but if they have no matter what you're doing there are transferable skills again coming back to the the mantra of just be a human i mean if you've worked with people and you've turned up and done a job that in itself is a qualification that lots of people don't have you kind of forget the skills that you pick up that are cross compatible between just general being a real person who can talk and <laughs> function uh i never really thought about those as being skills they're just kind of the what, what 
some people dismissively call soft soft skills in inverted commas in quote marks they are valuable if you want to be a scrum master in a team it's that's almost as much about being able to teach people things and be able to read people and their make sense of estimates that are given you um yeah there's a big technical part of lots of jobs but there are lots of jobs within development where you need to be technical, but you don't nece- you're not necessarily reconstructing algorithms every day. You're you're dealing with projects. You're making you're make, getting getting stuff done, making things happen. When you're learning to code, you kind of just think your focus is entirely on the code. But I guess there's a lot of things that people don't think about that are around that. Say, I mean, I'm the ones I've heard of, like documentation and deployment processes, things like that, which aren't actually necessarily just writing pieces of code, but it's the yeah. or even, the things around even it. something as fundamental as version control and like having a sense of how branches in Git work. Um, which I've noticed we've been we've been picking up as we put the the website for this project together. It's your first example your first proper introduction to collaborating on a project. Yeah. Specific. Because I'd use Git on my own and then when you said, Oh now make a branch and make a pull request, I was like, ah Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's something that if you're working somewhere particularly technical that's going to come up all the time that's that's a that is as much a fundamental as knowing what a loop is so i guess if you learn those things and can say and have some experience maybe in an open source Mm. project or working with someone else that's something you can then add to your cv or when you're applying to jobs and that's one less thing that the person hiring you has to train you how to do so that's going to make you more attractive see this confidence i had earlier is well uh well thought out (laughs) there's a reason behind it (laughs) we'll see we'll see um, how open do you want to be? Do you go, are you going to publish your CV on your blog? Are you going to try and document the process as you go along? Is that, some, is that something you're comfortable doing? I guess so. We're going to talk about it here, aren't we? So, yeah, yeah. So I may as well. It's going to be out to the public. I mean, I don't think if I publish on my blog, I don't think it's not going to um, shock the world because I get about like one view every week. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Yeah. But that's through me, me lack of uh, posting anything for a very long time. Don't undersell the concept of having a story to tell as well. You're on a journey, and you're doc- we're already documenting the journey. This is part of it. Get your potential employers hyped up about being part of that story. I think whoever whoever gets you is going to be pretty lucky, and they're going to have a good good asset on their hands, and they're going to have an extra promotion for themselves. For the, they've got a hotshot podcaster on the team. Yeah, there it is, my first reference. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> can I uh, can I quote you on at the top of my CV? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Though I think possibly. Yeah, hotshot podcaster yeah. says his brother. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's one down from your mother recommending you, isn't it? <laughs> so you would suggest not uh, quitting your job until you have got a firm offer from somewhere else, somewhere something to go into. You wouldn't do what I'm doing crazily and quitting without with nothing firm to go to. That's interesting how you phrase that. I would certainly recommend not to do that i would say wait until you've got a job offer a job to go to then quit with a big fanfare and go on to your new career and, and celebrate and don't have any moments of risk and doubt and, and terrifyingness but then that's not that's not what i did it's not not life really is it? <laughs> no yeah I, sometimes it happens like that um that's certainly the happy path i think but i guess that is probably not the most common path yeah I'd be, I'd be interested to know if it is or not i think there are a lot more i get the impression generally speaking most people are more sensible than i am well let us know if you if you've uh made a career change let us know and you can tell us um how it went and we can share your story yeah i mean my well my my story was much more impulsive than yours much more risky because <laughs> we just had uh, it was well, i can remember it vividly it was um a sunny day we were on the beach and we saw a horrible boat crash it was quite sobering and we were all a bit glum and i thought oh my god yeah anything could happen at any point so the next day i quit my job. I was like, no, it's, 
I'm going to do my own thing. Wow. Yeah. Just because of a boat crash. If that boat hadn't crashed. I think it was something that was, I was, it wasn't completely out of nowhere, but it was. The straw that broke the camel's absolutely. back. Absolutely. As they say. Yeah. yeah. Like Mike Hurley's shoelaces. I just reached the point where I was like, no, what am I doing here? Let's do something else. I've reached those points, though, quite a few times <laughs> yeah. in the last couple of years, but have resi- have had to resist the urge, <laughs> which has been quite tough. No, I've admired your strength of will to, to get through. Um, but talking about listener feedback and people sending us their stories, I'd be very interested to get a bit more information about people who have changed career where they've been already successful, because, I mean, not to put a dampener on your assignment, but you're doing very well as a teacher, and you're going to have to... Let me take a pay cut to start, presumably, unless you're very lucky. It's starting a career from scratch. You have to come in at a lower level, which is tougher the older you get because you're more established and you become used to a certain certain level. Yeah, it's something I'm prepared for, not having as much money, but something I'm, I will have more happiness, hopefully. So I'd, I'd happily uh, reduce my wage to be happier in going to work. Yeah, it's a quality of life thing as much as anything else. But also, you are doing it because you think long-term you're going to be better off. You're going to be in a stronger position I, I hope so yeah and even if I got a job teaching I, I don't think I'd be I'm just I guess disenfranchised is the word I've not got that motivation anymore to be able to um, keep it up but I'm really excited about what the future holds and it's something that motivates me and gets me home gets me coding I've been tracking my time this week I've done at least two or three hours every day oh, that is impressive pretty pumped the last few days but that was the weekend and yeah. and that's toggle that you're tracking your time with toggle yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I think the, input, the the really useful thing to get out of this is knowing when it's the right time to start applying for things and to do it quicker than you think. Because as someone said on the Cornwall Geeks Slack channel this week, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I guess a lot of it is you you never feel, you probably will never feel ready. <laughs> You'll never be like, I'm 100% happy with my CV. I know all the skills I need to, to apply to this role. I'm going to go for now I'm ready to apply for this one job I've prepared myself for. Yeah, that never happens. That will ne- that never happens and it never will happen. So if you're out there thinking, oh, I'm not quite ready, I think you need to up your game. Do do more. Just do it. Yeah. It's easy to get into motivational quote territory and things that you would want to put on a t-shirt that don't actually mean anything in real life. But there is a genuine need for people to apply sooner than they would otherwise. I think that, I would call that valuable advice. And if I wasn't in my position of having to wait, I would definitely be applying now i got i fell i've fallen into trap in the past of just making excuse after excuse as to why not to go for opportunities um whereas i've never regretted having i mean the worst that can happen if you apply for something that they don't think you're qualified for is they say no and you don't get an interview or you go to an interview and it's embarrassing and but you learn something from that experience and yeah it's yeah. definitely worth worth going yeah and all of that is better than sitting around wondering what if and I guess every time you do it, it makes you better, more qualified for the next one. Have you got any inkling of the level of positions you're going to be applying for? How are you approaching it? Do you have a list of targets? Do you have a list of dream employers? Not particularly, because I was thinking just for first job, I just need to get something. And then after that, think about making the choice. It was like when when I started teaching, I didn't I didn't choose my school specifically. But I mean, a few years ago, I tried, I was starting to apply around to different schools and then I got a bit more specific. But for the first one, I just think to, so I can get something on my CV and say, look, I've actually been paid to do this job. I'm not just sat at home behind my computer in the evening doing it. I think I'm just going to be applying to whatever I am suitably qualified for. That makes sense. I can see why you'd think that. I, my, my advice would be do aim bigger, aim higher. Make, like, I think you now should, now that you're, you've got a date that you're going to start, or that you want to start working on your new career, 
you should have a list of people that you really want to work with and you should know at least have an email address of someone who works there who's kind of maybe on the hiring department you should look at their job board you should be looking at job boards all the time now and seeing what is available and getting a sense of how frequently things come around so that you know if you're looking at job boards every week even if you're not applying right now you can see how often certain types come up so that when something comes up you don't like go oh my god panic mode got to get this application in for this thing really quick but that's kind of job that sits around for a long time often companies have open hiring policies um so look at where where, do you know where you're going to be looking like online like where you find (laughs) indeed.com well anyone could yeah this is the thing anyone can anyone can do that but i think have a list like research what companies are around because a lot of jobs are just not advertised even or someone might be thinking of having a position and not have advertised it yet what i've been thinking is it's it seems to be who you know and who you've spoken to before or someone suggested you to someone else yeah yeah i think you're right i think it's not about job boards but i mean obviously you still apply to those jobs but yeah and I, yeah often those kind of jobs they do get advertised eventually um sometimes they have to be sometimes they just are um but knowing a little bit ahead of time helps um, knowing who, having knowing more about the company than just you've seen them on a job listing site, is useful. But also going to companies that you are aware of. So knowing what companies are around first of all is important. So do some research as to what the big tech companies in the area that you're going to are. Particularly if you're not looking at remote jobs, you want to actually be working in an office. You're tied geographically, so that limits the pool slightly. But f- so find out who's in your area, who is doing, in your case, Python stuff. And then look at their websites. They will all have a careers thing at the bottom of their website. You go down to the footers, there's going to be a jobs or work with us. Or even if it's just an about us and you get a sense of who their team is and what their makeup is, you learn a, learn a lot about a company from that. And you can see jobs that sometimes like, you beat the rush <laughs> to them being being put on a job board. Well, to be honest, I hadn't thought about I was going to wait until for a few months. No, 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 even no. You've, got a, you've got a hard <laughs> deadline now. You start start doing it now. You should not hang about. You should be thinking more seriously about this already, right now. Um, I guess we should probably touch on recruiters as well, because that's the thing that comes up when people are hiring, when getting jobs. Oh, I've had I've had a lot of uh, contact <laughs> from recruiters. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, as soon as you're... Obviously, haven't looked at my <laughs> profile at all. <laughs> Just saw one word and said... Yeah, oh, I'm a JavaScript developer. The amount of people I get phoning me asking me if I want to do a Java job for them is ridiculous. Um, I think there's an art it's easy to get sort of taken in particularly early in your career by the promises and things that recruiters say be very very careful and generally if someone sends you an advert with a job description in it google that job description and you'll probably find the actual company that's advertised because recruiters take a fee from the employer so it's in the company's best interest if you bypass them and go straight to the company good tip and often i think recruiters spam companies as much as they spam candidates as well so they will often say oh we have this job for x ridiculously large number of pounds per year that you might be interested in and we think you'd be a great fit often they've seen a job board and they're they're trying to like jump the gun themselves like be a middleman insert themselves into the transaction i think this episode more than any other we're going to be it's going to be really interesting to see if we can get some some actual feedback from people who are in similar situations or have had experience of leaving because it's such a big topic and such an important thing in people's lives which is like the actual moment at which you change your career I'm going to be taking a lot of the advice you've given <laughs> and applying it to myself. But yeah, it, it would be nice to hear if other people are in a similar boat and whether or they've done, done it previously and got any of their own tips that we can 
that I can have <laughs> and other people we can share with for everyone else. Yeah, so help um, Ed out. Help Ed out uh, and tweet us at AQO code. And if you've got any other questions or any other feedback, please do get in touch with us there. We've also got our email address as a question of code at gmail.com. And we've got our website, a question of code.com. More than ever, it would be interesting to hear hear about this. And as always, if you just tell one other person about the show, if you like it, that would be fantastic. We'd really appreciate that. Um, spread the word. Um, and we'll see you next week. And with the further adventures of Ed and his suicidal mission to just... <laughs> no, his mission to have a new job and it to be fantastic. Yes. Thanks for listening. Uh, Bye. Thanks. Bye. I just wanted to make a slight correction to last week's episode. I said Michael Ginsberg for the Flask tutorial, but it's actually by Miguel Grinberg. I managed to catch it and put the correct one in the show notes, so hopefully not too many people got stuck with that.